Experience worship. True worship. Experience the word. Bringing you wholeness. Experience the warmth of fellowship. Experience wholeness at Lighthouse. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at the Lighthouse. House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. Visit our website at www.lighthousenergy.org or contact us at info at lighthousenergy.org. The Lighthouse, lighting your pathway to destiny. us online tonight, I would like to welcome you to the service. It's a beautiful exchange service. It's midweek in our own part of the world, and so we gather every Wednesday uh, around the name of Jesus, around the Word of God, uh, just to push further into the things that God is doing in our time and in our age. We are running a series on uh, what we believe the biblical prosperity is. God has an economy. He operates his own economy system, which are based on principle. And there's just something about principle, at least in God's world, that we are sure of, that when we are willing and obedient, we will hit the good of the land. God's economy is good. Uh, God doesn't run at a loss. So if we learn to yield ourselves to it, willing and obedient, we hear the good of the land. That's Isaiah 1.19. And Job 36.11 says, When we obey and serve him, we will spend our days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. We try to define prosperity uh, for us as a people because we believe in it. It simply says spiritual well-being, physical health, material and financial blessing. So it's a robust thing. Jesus grew. In wisdom, in stature, he had favor with God and with men. So we believe every believer in the kingdom of God is supposed to live a balanced life, have a balanced understanding of the world, prosperity. So today we just push it further. Uh, we look at the purpose of prosperity. Uh, it's been said that where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. In Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. One translation says, where there is no revelation of God, people cast off restraint. Another one says, they run wide. So we must understand the purpose of prosperity in the kingdom of God. Uh, so we started this discourse last week. Uh, we actually titled this series, Midas Touch, the Wednesday series. And we started our discourse about the king, uh, Midas, uh, it's like a Greek mythology, but uh, some people said that story was actually true. But here, anyway, we have lessons to learn from it. And uh, the Midas touch, what it simply helped us to define last week is that each believer in this kingdom must be able to define the word contentment. Uh, the Bible says godliness with contentment is a great game. So we must be able within the context of God's word 
uh, we must be able to define it. Because like the mythical king Midas, he wanted everything that he touched to be turned into gold. But when he got all his wishes, all that he wanted, he soon discovered that he didn't want how he didn't really want what he got. Uh, so we must be able to know where is the balance uh, between prosperity and greed, uh, between covetousness and corruption. Uh, we must be able to just differentiate these things. So God's design, desire for you and I is that we prosper and be in it. Uh, where we started last week, we emphasize it. Third John 2. And I want us to start from that place tonight. Uh, this screen is not working. Can you help me fix it? Uh, it's a good one for me uh, to be able to catch up with the scripture. So, Third John 2. Third John 2. The Bible is so clear. Um, this is the will of God for every one of us. Third John, verse 2. He says, I wish, he said, beloved, that is you and I who are in this kingdom. Uh, John was writing the mind of God. He said that, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You prosper in all things. You prosper in your spiritual well-being. You prosper in the health of your family. You prosper in your family life. You prosper in your career life. You prosper in the business life. You prosper in the community that you find yourself, your partnership, your synergy, your cooperation. He said, you prosper and be in earth just as your soul prosper. So you may ask the question, why is it that we don't see the fullness of what the Bible describes as prosperity? And I believe every one of us in this service and those watching online, we all desire it. We all desire that measure of prosperity where it's a state of shalom, where nothing is missing, nothing is broken. So we may say, why is it that we don't see the fullness? Is because, basically, it's because of our understanding of this balance. So you find a situation where people, um, they have a good career, but they are not able to manage their finances. Or they have a good career, they are not able to manage relationships. Or they have a good career, they are not able to manage their family or their health. Or their intra and interpersonal relationship. So I believe this series of teaching is just helping us to find our rhythm, to find our balance. So that just like the Bible says, he wish above all things that we prosper and be in health, even so our soul should prosper in him. Genesis 1, I want us to uh, look at man, the way God um, designed us. Genesis chapter 1. I want us to start. I read a couple of scripture first before we go into uh, the purpose of prosperity as I itemize it. I just came up with three. Uh, it may be much more than that, which I believe, uh, but your further study or your work with God will add to 
that number. In, Pro, in Genesis chapter 1, the word of the Lord says in verse 26, it says, And then God said, Let us make man in our image. And I want us to learn from it. it it's a Bible story that we all probably you've heard so many times. God has created you and I in his image. But the Bible talks about not just image, in his likeness. It means if God is a producer, he expects you and I to be a producer. A lion, we always give back to a lion. A lion, even though four-footed, doesn't give back to a goat. It doesn't even give back to a tiger. There is the principle of kind began kind in that. Because it's already an established principle. In Genesis 1.11, it says, let everything reproduce after his own kind. So, we've said it before, but I just want us to have that mindset. You are made in the image and in the likeness of God. And all things that makes for life and godliness is already invested in you. So we are made in the image. If there is nothing that can bring God down, in our own mind, in our quest as we walk with this God, nothing should limit us. Nothing should put a cap to us. I mean, there are principles in God's word that when we just develop our mindset around it, one of them also is Genesis eleven six. He said, and this, God himself said, he said, nothing shall be refrained from them which they have imagined to do. Ephesians 3.20 talks about it. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So in Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And he says, the reason why we are making them in our image and according to our likeness is just for one purpose. He said, let them have, let them have dominion, dominion. And he listed it. So God has designed us to be in charge. God has designed us to be in control. God doesn't have us that money should have us. No. He has given us the capacity. And that's why one of the uh, fruits that we have, that the Holy Spirit resides in us, is self-control. Self-control. We must be able to define the boundaries. We must be able to define what this means. I share a story of one young man, I think it was on Sunday. That guy is less than 50 years. He had opportunity. He could still have been here. He had opportunity. But, I mean, from the beginning to the end of his life, it's just a very short year that God prospered him. And you know, we have examples in the Bible. The Bible talks about someone in 2 Chronicles 26. As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord caused him to prosper. So we must understand this. We are created in the image. We are created in the likeness of God. We don't need to struggle. That's why we don't belong to the class of animal. God created man to be a steward of the heart. Can I have an amen tonight? So if you read it, say God bless them. It didn't cause them. And you know, for us as a church, when I say as a church, I mean the body of Christ. 
these are things that we should be saying to God's images, image that we have all around us. We must speak to fellow men that they are created in the image and likeness of God and they are blessed. The good news of the Bible of the church will be you are blessed, not that you are cursed. Can I have an amen? amen? You know, there is a feeling if you feel that you are cursed, there is a feeling in your mind that you are limited. There's a feeling in your mind that you can't make progress. And then people speak words around us. The environment speaks, family speak that you cannot make progress. Even if you are making progress, there is a ceiling point. The only person who can place any ceiling point on man is not the devil. It is that man himself. Praise God. We have the Holy Spirit residing in us. He is our helper. He is our teacher. He is our comforter. He is our intercessor. He is our strengthener. He is our standby. Whatever the needs of life are, there is something that he meets as a function, as a needs in our life. And if we can learn to know him, we will reap the benefit. And you know, like many of us, how do we see the Holy Spirit? Many people can relate with God the Father. Because God the Father, we can read his manifestation in the Old Testament. We can read his, his um, interaction with David, with Adam, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Abraham. We can read it with Moses. We can read it with the prophet. We can read it with Israel. It's very easy. We know that he is a personality. But hey, if completed that introduction into time, and then he allowed Jesus, because something went with that dispensation, man lost it. Man willingly gave dominion of the heart to Satan. And at the fullness of time, God showed up. He said, no, that wasn't the order. The order is a man should be the steward of the heart. The order is a man should be in control. He said, let them have dominion. That was the order. In Psalm, which is a very popular Psalm, in Psalm 8, verses 3 to 8, he said, what is this man that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man that you visit him? He said, you have made him a little lower than yourself. A little lower than Elohim. And you have given him, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. You know, we, we, we read it. He said, you have put all things under his feet. I mean, that's literal meaning to us today is that because we are in Christ, that scripture is what we are operating in. Can I have an amen tonight? I pray that our eyes will be open to this thing. So, in Psalm 8, if you read it, he has given us dominion. Are we exercising that dominion? Maybe not fully. And it's basically based on our knowledge. It's basically on our knowledge. If someone will money to you and you are not aware as you sit in this service tonight, you know you can go hungry. You can, you, you can walk through life without knowing. That's why Hosea says, my own people. He didn't say they are destroyed. He said they are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He didn't say the devil. I know that there is a devil, but in Christ, what am I saying? We have all things that are yours in Christ Jesus. So we can relate with God the Father. We can relate with Jesus. We saw him. We read about him. His miracles. All around, we saw it. 
And Acts 10 38 completed it. He said, How Jesus anointed, um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10 38, with Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about. So we can see his works. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, who is in our present dispensation, a lot of people can relate with it. And then people ask questions, is it oil? Is it, is it um, dove? Is it, is it fire? Is it? So they cannot relate with him. But Jesus said, if I go, he will come. And if he come, he will teach you all things. And if, when he comes and he's teaching you, he said, you will do these works and then greater works than these that you do. Why? Because I go to the Father. And it's not just the end. He said, He will live in you forever. 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 Let me, let me just, I don't know why I'm tilting towards this, but I know that somebody is batting something new by you just leaning on the Holy Spirit. So let me use uh, PG and um, AK to preach. Please, can you come? So, for the sake of our teaching tonight, this is the Holy Spirit. You know what he said? He said, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, usually they, they use people to, to do the devil. <laughs> but this one is okay, Abby. Eh? Okay. So, what I need you to do for us is that you keep whispering into my ears. When I make a statement, you just whisper, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. So, I, this is God the Father. And this is God the Father. Yeah. Or, no, 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 let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. This is Jesus. Let, let's just limit it. Yeah. This is God the Son, Jesus. This is God the Holy Spirit. And you know, he has come. Hmm? He's completed the work of redemption. But I am a sinner. Hmm? Lost in the journey of life. I don't know where my life is going. Keep following me because he, is, he wants to do a work. He wants to bring me to Jesus. So, keep following me. I don't know how my life is. I don't even know why my hand... Keep saying to me, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Yeah? I don't know. Is it that they are following me from my village? Everything that I need. And then one day, I need Jesus. Who is Jesus? Is the Savior? Is the King? Is the one? So he takes my hands and introduces me to Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. And then when he introduced me to Jesus, Jesus said, I am your Lord. I am your savior. So Jesus exits. But before he exits, he said, Now that you are with me, now that you are in him, let me introduce you to someone who will help you through your journey of life. You need to pray, he becomes your intercessor. You are weak in the journey of life, he becomes your strengthener. You, you, you need things are overwhelming, it becomes your comforter. And then you, you, you face situation in life, 
where everything, the hell is, like we say, the hell broke loose against you. It becomes your advocate, your justifier. So he exits the scene. Lord, I need, apparently I want you to do it. So I need to pray. Kneel, your Holy Spirit, take hold. Because ordinarily, I don't know how to pray, but it takes hold with us. I, I can accurately pray the will of God. Because, but there is something that we all do. So, I need help. He's following me. And I said, Jesus, do you understand now? I want you to get it. And I'm still crying, because I can easily relate with Jesus. But Jesus is seated He's completed his own work. The Holy Spirit is following me around. Jesus, where are you? I need to know you. I need to know you in your world. I don't even understand what is going on. And then I come one day, you know, after saying all that, I say, I even want to know you, Jesus. And he comes because I've given, he's a perfect gentleman. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He keeps following me around. He now sits with me and gives me understanding in the word of God. But because we can relate with the Father, we can relate with the, uh, with the Son, easily, the one who is here, Jesus is not getting up from that seat until the fullness of time that he's coming back from his saints. No matter, the Bible says he even lives to make intercession and we are seated with him. It's the Holy Spirit who revealed my position to me today. So I need to do something. Is the Lord God my Redeemer who teaches me to profit that is the Holy Spirit. Is the Lord my shepherd? My ever-present help. That is the Holy Spirit. Jesus has gone back to the heaven. The God is waiting for the fullness of the things. He's even waiting for me and I to come to a knowledge whereby we preach the gospel so that we can usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen tonight? Do you understand it? So when the Bible says he is our teacher, John 14, 26, is our teacher teacher is our helper, is our comforter, is our strengthener, is our advocate. He has never changed that job description. If we don't leverage on it, it is left to you and I. If we are not growing in his knowledge, we can be crying, Jesus, 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 from here to tomorrow. Whereas, he's there with us. Somebody says, how does the Holy Spirit look like? If we still go by our test, I think it looks like the Father and the Son. Do you understand? They have form and shape we can relate to. The Holy Spirit is a person. Can I have an amen? amen. Who is a person? Someone who has intellect, will, and emotions. Can I have an amen tonight? It means we can relate with this person. It's not a fluke that floats around in the air. It's not, it might be a representation dove in one manifestation, oil, fire, but that is not, he is a person. We can touch him. A person is touched by the infirmity of others, isn't it? So he's our teacher, he's our comforter, he's our strengthener, he's our advocate. Jesus said he will never leave us nor forsake us until that fullness of time that that which will be revealed. Even 
when Jesus is coming back, that rapture that we say supernatural live is the power of the Holy Spirit in us that makes that supernatural thing possible. Can I have an amen tonight? Did you get it now? Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Praise God. The reason why I'm taking time to explain that to you, because you see, you will understand it. Why does God delight in prospering you and I? It's because we are his representative here on the earth. We represent him. We represent a kingdom. The United States, all the consulates, they have embassies in Nigeria. And technically, even though a person may be representing them here, but if that person speaks, the whole United States of America is the one speaking. If the one from Ghana is speaking, even though their president and their country is not here, but they have certain signatures. They have their flag. They have the kind of card that they write. It's the same thing. We are in the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of God. We represent him here because we have been given a dominion mandate. Can I have an amen? amen? And where the word of a king is, there is what? There is power. Praise God. I said praise God. Praise God. So, when we look at this world, we establish on Sunday, for example, that it belongs to God. Psalm 50, verses 10 to 12. Agai chapter 2, verse 8. All these things belong to God. It's not, you know, it's not possession. It's not that God has them in his bank, have It's because he created them. That's why it belongs to him. I mean, people refine gold. But ultimately, it's God who owns gold. He says, the gold is mine. The silver is mine. Can I have an amen? So he created them. He has ownership. And that ownership is now extended to us. Through productivity, we can utilize those things that has been given to us. We call them the law of economics. Uh, capital, what do you labor and all that. We refine it to produce something. Something viable can create value to other, for other people. So he created them for his people. Can I have an amen? All these things that we see is not created for the devil and his crowds. No. He created them for his own people. I keep saying it. 5,000 naira in your hand is worth much more than 5,000 naira in the hand of someone who is a drug addict. It will, it worth much more. It worth much more. It will delight the heart, heart of God to give you 100,000 so that you can help those drug addicts of the street. Can I have an amen? So the money, the resources that we need for wealth creation is down here. And sometimes this must change our thinking. God, give me money. What a kind of prayer is that? I, I believe you can pray. God, open my eyes to opportunities around me. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, he has delivered us from the authority or dominion of darkness. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, I'm just reinforcing Genesis 1 for us. We are the triumphant church. We are not the warring church. 
the authority has been gotten. I know people have been taught over the ages as if there must be something. You can't fight the devil. You can on your own. You can't do it in your strength. You hear things like that in the church before, box the devil. What kind of thing is that? What kind of language? You can't even box the devil. Some people say, bring cutlass. We will cut the devil to pieces. What a kind of thing. But we can stand in the authority. He said, haven't disarmed. He made a public split. That's what we are riding on. The victory is ours in Christ Jesus. That's why it's, it's not motivation where you say, I can do all things. You must complete it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, Jesus defeated the works of the devil. And one of the works of the devil, if we will agree on the same page here tonight, is poverty and lack. There is nothing good in being poor. There is nothing good or not, no spiritual virtue in, not, in seeing our children suffer. We can't pay their school fees or they are sick. We can't help them to have a good um, uh, medical access. There's nothing, there's nothing glorious in that. There is nothing glorious in that. There's nothing glorious. So, faith in God and his word that is acted upon will bring us this result. Faith in God and his word. When we act on it, it brings us results. So, please say with me tonight, I believe in prosperity. I believe in spiritual well-being. I believe in living physically healthy. I believe in material and financial prosperity. You know how Jesus became poor? He was on the cross, though. It wasn't in his day-to-day life. I don't know how the devil has convinced the church. Jesus had a house. The reason why he stayed in, in the manger was because at that time, all the hotels were booked because of what is happening in the city. He was on the cross and it was because to, to, to hinge it that mankind do not have to suffer anymore. I don't know if you have seen those horrific pictures. They are fighting in uh, Sudan now. It ought not to be. People have died. People can't go to school. They are fighting in Ukraine and they bombed, they bombed, they damned. It opened up. People have died. All this destruction ought not to be. If you look at the genesis of war from the history of mankind, it's one person just standing on one thing or the other ego. That's it. I mean, how do you justify the Sudan, Sudan case? The president and his deputy fighting. So, these are things that we must understand. God doesn't want human beings to suffer. You know what we say in our saying? They say when two elephants are fighting, it's the grass that suffers. And that's what happened in many countries of the world. People start war and they, they are in secure places where other people are losing their life. 
It's not, it's not the will of God. It's not the will of God. And many of those people don't know Jesus. And once they die in such, in just unfortunate circumstances, they are eternally separated. And God won't say because of war. So let us, let us allow this person. No, because the question will be, did you hear about Jesus? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Did you believe in his sacrifice for you as a person? If the answer is no, they are, they are separated from God. I know it, it will be quiet because that's the reality. And it should help us to see things from a different perspective. God is interested in us in having lovely houses. He's interested, but the primary purpose, as we will get into, is because of his kingdom. God wants this gospel to be preached. That's the reason. And all these other things will be added to us. But you see, in our heart, the primary purpose is that the gospel must be preached. That's the purpose of prosperity. It's not to show it's not to show. If we are showing anything, we are showing Jesus to a generation. If we are showing anything, we are showing his love by our commitment to see people saved. That's what we are showing. So, Jesus was made poor basically on the cross so that 2 Corinthians 8-9 can be accomplished. Except for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus in his heartly ministry, we pray for the sick to see them healed. Jesus provided for the poor. Jesus provided. As a matter of fact, there's something. He usually, I mean, when we are, when we are teaching it, we usually say he preached, he teach, and he healed. But we must have to heal. Preaching, teaching, healing, feeding. we can see that in the ministry of Jesus and if we are going to start this work at all, we must do the work of Jesus and then we must position ourselves to be used by him to do greater works that he promised in John 14, 12 can I have an amen, amen. so on that cross the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and that means shalom, it means safety it means wellness it means happiness. It means righteousness. It means blessing. It means welfare. It means health. It means prosperity. It means rest. That is the principle of exchange that happened. So what is the purpose of prosperity? As we begin to, it's a very brief message. I want us to be able to pray. Kingdom prosperity, please understand, is not measured by the accumulation of great wealth and worldly possession. The truth was that because he owns everything, Jesus had no gold mine. He wasn't living any lavish or extravagant lifestyle. Jesus wasn't driven by possessiveness and greed. You know, he could have, he doesn't need it. He could have been looking for, you know, he had friends in high places. So he could have half sea of whole of lands around Jerusalem. 
He has friends as rich people. So, he went, he said, go and do prepared Passover in one of their houses. So, it means Jesus had every of his needs met when he needs them. And that's prosperity. So kingdom prosperity, I say again, is not measured. And it's not going to be measured by age. I know that these are things, they are like gray area for many of us to believe. Because, of course, people show, no doubt about it. But, hey, if we will look at the word of God, the purpose of wealth, the purpose of prosperity for a believer is to do God's work and God's will on the earth. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. We must not miss place that parity. Because if we do, if we are not careful, our heart can be taken over by mammon. And then we are thinking about acquiring, acquiring, acquiring the next investment, the next, if the next investment is around soul, then it's a good cause. What is God's will on the heart? John 3, 16 to 18. Let's read it together. We need to constantly remind ourselves, John 3, 16 to 18, that's God's will. That's what matters to God. You know, I said something on Sunday, and it's very interesting. You didn't decide the day you are going to be born. You didn't decide which family you are going to be born into. You didn't decide your name. All those things were your discovery, and it was after you have grown up. The same thing, the day we are all going to exit, we don't know. Our burial plan, no matter what you write on the ground, sometimes people are tired. The decision, I mean, some people will write in there in that. If you change anything, I will wake up. We have never seen anybody woken up. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. We have never seen anybody woken up. So, what is the God's will on the heart? Can we read together? One, two, three, go. Have everlasting life, yes. Send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Number 18, verse 18. We who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only because that's the God's will or not. And if your purpose, my purpose of wealth is to ensure that this is carried out in our communities, in our states, in our nations, in our cities. And, I mean, you, you read about Jesus. He went about in villages and cities, preaching the gospel, healing all who are oppressed by the devil. If that is the reason why you and I want to be wealthy, then let's get ready for God's kind of wealth. Can I have an amen? amen. Matthew 9.35 we're reading about God's will on the heart. Matthew 9, 35. And we read together. One, two, three, go. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. If the reason why we are going to have wealth is to promote this, in our own generation, then we should get ready. We are good candidates for God's kind of wealth. And we, must, we need to follow, if we really are believers, we must follow Jesus' example of living. I, 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 
I came across someone yesterday. And I was telling my wife today, you know what the person said to me? And he, he, it's really changing. It's altering. And I know that God is deliberately bringing these people across my way. So I was asking the person questions. Because I knew he used to be a branch manager of a bank and all that. So how is what? He said that he left. That number one, his conscience doesn't even carry uh, the practices anymore. So he left. So what are you doing? And so he was explaining. He said, even at that, he said, still, he's asking himself every day, why am I doing this? Fine. Number one, primary purpose to pay bills. It's not good. It's not bad if you desire that. But he said he lives beyond. He said he has uncles now who used to be very wealthy people. And they are still wealthy, but they have dementia. They can't even recognize anybody around them anymore. So, and he knew how they invested in other people, invested in things. He knew the things that they owned. So he said, he was asking me, he said, so exactly what is the meaning of this life? I said, it's a question. I'm trying to also answer it. What is the meaning of this life? So that if we all know the meaning, we can channel all our energies into the meaning of life. Rather than be running, 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 and then life hits this other way, and then you are wondering the what exactly. So he said, the idea, best treatment, but hey, he said, but what's the need? And he said to shock him. He said he went to see his own dad. Of course, his dad is hey, aged now. He said he went to see his dad on that democracy day, and his dad didn't recognize him also anymore. So he said he just told himself, what exactly? Are we running after? And of course, he rolled out the CV of his own dad. He's done. He's one of the key principal officers in, in the public service here in Nigeria before. I'm sure that people will probably not remember him now until they see his obituary. So we need to come to that page. The place of, and his individuals, and I keep saying this every time, there is no car you want to ride that somebody has not ridden. And there's nothing new in this life. I'm just, I'm just saying this to us. Do you want to desire things, wealth, and all that? Please desire it. There is much work to be done. But I'm also saying, because we can't give, we can't give, we can't sell the same clothes for everyone. But please, let's know where to apply the break. Let's know where to do the things that really matters. That's the thing. That really matter. And if you want to understand this, Psalm 49 also gives us a description. It's a man that is in honor, 49.20. But the description is that there are many things that he said. He said, this man, he just labor all his life. He wants the streets to be named after him. He has all the investment. He said, but his folly is that he does not know. And sometimes man doesn't even enjoy those things himself. But he does not know that whoever is living this thing for, whether they will know how to manage it or not. So he concluded by saying, Psalm 49, verse 20, man that is in honor and does not understand is like the beast that perishes. Can I have an amen? amen. I said, can I have an amen? amen? Jesus said, his work we do. So his work is what we've said. He loved the world. He loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. His work is as men must say, must be saved. 
and come to the saving knowledge. And so whatever we are doing must be in cooperation, primarily must be in cooperation with that. Secondarily, that's where all these investments and all these things are doing. It must not be the other way around. It's just like, you see, this is the order of parity, how to prioritize our lives. God first, our immediate family, extended family, then if you are involved in ministry, ministry, if you are involved in business, then business, that's how you cascade it down. You can't put money above God. That's the thing. You will be whipped along the line. So you must be able to, and then we keep tab on these things. Praise God. So we must do the works of Jesus so that we can do his greater work. We are still struggling to do that work. So I don't know when we will start greater works. To preach, to teach, to heal, and to feed. We are still struggling with it. And Jesus expects us to do his greater work. So how do we define the purpose of prosperity for ourselves? Number one, we establish our motive. Our motive. Our motive. I can't answer this question for you. Why do you want to prosper? Why do you want to do well? Does God expect you to desire it? Yes. Yes, because Stone John 2 says it. But why? Ask yourself. So, the answer I can give you, general answer, is that in God's economy, prosperity is a means to an end. That end is world evangelism. World evangelism. World evangelism. You know this world that we are teaching in this season? I believe God is going to open up treasure to us. But see, the measure of this treasure eh, is not how many G-wagons we lined around this building. That's not the measure. The measure is how is our focus on evangelism? Our own souls are saved. But how is our focus? So, in God's economy, prosperity is a means to an end. That end is what evangelism. There is this scripture that says, a true prosperity, my city shall be spread abroad. Abroad. So, we are not just to enjoy the luxury of life, houses, cars, food, uh, luxury, luxurious entertainment. They are good. But there must be a balance. Eh? And a common sense in our material acquisition. We must have a balance. We must have that balance. Number two, defining this purpose, it will help us that God's people must prosper to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. What is the great commandment? In case you don't know, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. It says, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and then you will Love your neighbor as yourself. So, the great commandment is love. Love. Love will help you to do things. It's the motive for service. Love is the motive why we want to prosper. Love is that motive. Love is that motive. In recent times, I've been looking at uh, TikTok videos of people on the streets. I realize that the less privileged on the streets are more compassionate than the rich people. Most of the times, I mean, I watch these guys from America, so you see somebody pretending 
that he doesn't have food to eat, he doesn't have a place to stay. Nobody stopped to have conversation. Go get a job, go get a job. Get out of here, get out of here. And then the same person stands with someone who is also shivering in the cold. And say, uh, bro, can I have a dollar? Oh, he said, a dollar. And then he counts the coins and give that person a dollar. The intention of that person is that whoever do, does good to him, they give as much as a $1,000, a $5,000 to that person. And sometimes they say they stand on the street. Everybody just come on, go get a job. Uh, go to this, go to that. You are stinking. You are thinking, Those are people suit up and all that. But the ones that don't, if can't even have enough. And when they give that 1,000, I mean, you can understand, the person is just crying. So, getting sometimes can blind us. That's what I want to point to us. It blinds. Levels change, like we use the word. So God's people must prosper to fulfill the great commandment because we have to do things out of love. And then the great commission, which is Matthew 28, 18 to 40. And then Mark 16, 15. That's why we want to prosper. Luke 19, 10. The Son of God has come to save, to seek and save that which was lost. Praise God. Praise God. You know, the reason why we must prosper is to fulfill the great commandment which is love, Matthew 22, 20, 37 to 40. And then the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Mark 16, 15. They go everywhere, but the Lord walking with them, confirming his word. And then the major hub of that is Luke 19, 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man. I, I haven't seen so many... People close to me die. But I realized that this material is so... I mean, one of my close people died. The night that he died, that we are still trying to um, get him into mortuary and all that, the brother to the guy who died, once he said he wants to run an errand, won't take key to one of the cars. He hasn't even seen his brother's corpse. So you just say to yourself, at the end of the day, priority must be placed. Priority must be placed where it needs to be placed. And where it needs to be placed, for us who are kingdom people, this story I just here, the man who wants the key is a deacon in the space. So he's not a non-believer. That he shouldn't think that his brother has left a wife and kids. All he's thinking about is the particular car. And you, you can spread that story into our own life around Africa. So, Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that we will be witnesses. So, the reason why we want to prosper is... The purpose of our own prosperity is to be witnesses. It means to finance the gospel. Let no man deceive you. I think it's a devil's strategy to attack the gospel. The gospel is the good news. I don't know how, whether you have seen it. 
That's why I'm careful, even what I say at this time, on our altar. People are hurting in our nation. People's confidence or same power has been damaged by man-orchestrated political system. So, the church has become a, a buffer, a radiant, a center of hope. Can I have an amen tonight? So, that's the power of the gospel. The best our government can offer us is that we should all go for therapy. But broken people are not therap therapeutized by broken therapists. Are we not in the same, under the same condition? A friend of mine once had issues with smoking. And so he went to see a therapist. A long time ago. And so in the course of being being in cancer, the therapist says, excuse me, I want to go and smoke. Just go give me five minutes break for smoking. So he said, before he came back, he just packed his thing because if he gets used to that session, what he's running away from, he will return to it. Lastly, tonight, God's people must prosper to fulfill the great commission. God's people, if that is your own, defining your purpose, the main reason why I want to be wealthy is to use my money to finance the gospel. That's the main reason. That's the main reason. I want to be wealthy. I want to put Bible in prisons. I want to feed people. That's the main reason. I want to restore hope to the hopeless. That's the main reason. And you see, in the bid to do that, which to settle it in your heart, there's no way your own needs will not be met. There's no way. He who waters others, he himself will be watered by God. Will be watered by God. But if the main reason is that I want to show you that God is good. God is already good. I don't have to hype him. He's already good. He's already good. I'm not sure, but I'm going to make a statement tonight. And please don't get me wrong. I don't think God is moved by material things. You know why? They are perishable things. There's no value in it. I understand. I mean, somebody, I was asking somebody a question that day. Out of this uh, depreciative asset, how does it work? And he gave me a very simple illustration. He said, go to Costa Rica, buy a new BMW, drive it from VI, or rather, where Costa Rica is lucky, and drive it to Ikeja. Drive it back 10 minutes later and tell them that you change your mind. The value is not the same. They're not going to take it and give you a full refund. Oh, I don't even know how many percent. So, Everything we see depreciates. The only thing that does not depreciate is the souls of men. That's, that's the only thing. Mommy, see, see, and you see, see me. That's the only thing that doesn't depreciate. 
And you can't put Naira and Kobo on it. You can't put dollar and pound sterling on it. I pray that the Lord will give us understanding. I, I pray because I'm looking at, I mean, in defining these things now, as God is helping us to define it, I'm looking at one of the wealthiest generation that ever lived. We will, you know, you know the thing, we are praying for Jesus Christ to come back and we are not sponsoring the gospel. Look at, let's read together Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14. This is the reason why Jesus hasn't come. Matthew 24, verse 14. This is the reason, oh, brothers and sisters, it's not the devil, is not, when we say Maranatha, Maranatha, the easiest way we can speed it up. Can we read it together? One, two, three, go. Can we read it in other translation and see whether we can get an expanded understanding? Other translation. Can we go? So, let me also help our theology. It doesn't say that we all, they will be saved. Is that, you know that we, become, we convince ourselves that our if there are many people who are still not non-believers and that's why you can't really tell you can't really tell you can't really tell brothers and sisters there are people getting as a matter of fact I heard that one of the fastest places where church is growing faster in the world now is China and you can't see a church you don't really see a church building like that but the gospel is being preached it's being preached at the risk of people's lives. But people are funding that. And they are funding it heavily. I know, I know people who are in, in Middle East. Let me just put it Middle East for the sake of those who will watch this. Middle East. And they're doing tremendous work there. And people are funding it. So, let's not deceive ourselves by saying, ah, until people do, you know, the way we used to do in the rate of, uh, in the days of uh, crusades. And thousands of people gave that. Thank God for that. But there are many people making decisions now. And it's because of this. Can we read this translation? I love this. All during this time, the good news, the message of the kingdom will be preached all over the world. If witness sticked out in every country, and then the hand we come. Do we have one or two other translations more? So, the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus came. He saves. He heals. He delivers. He restores. He gives eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Can we read this together? One, two, three, go. Yeah, through it all. In the midst of economy, downturn, upturn. Through it all. This joyful assurance of the realm of the heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will arrive. And also, we should not be deceived. I will take the last translation. We should not be deceived. God is saving people. We should not be deceived. God doesn't want anyone in hell open. I hope you know that no matter how terrible that person looks to you and I, 
their souls made in the image and in the likeness of God. It does not want their souls in hell because hell wasn't designed for man. And lastly, tonight, before I take my seat, NLT, one, two, three, go. Lord our God, continually bless the reading and hearing, the preaching and teaching of this word in our hearts. It will move us to action. We are the worthiest generation that ever lived because the revival that has been steered for us is a combination of the spirit and the word. We will see supernatural happenings in the nations of the world in Jesus' name. We will see creative miracles. We will see things that will catch the attention of non-believers. So come into the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we want to say thank you tonight. We give you praise. Thank you for the entrance of your word that has given us life and understanding. Thank you for the seed of this world. Lord, as we begin to prepare ourselves, thank you for the financial stewardship button that is being passed to your people at this time. We give you praise, worship and glory. The gospel of the kingdom, Lord, we not lose strength in our own generation, but it will be preached and the hand shall come. We thank you for helping us to put our priority where it is and thank you for your blessing over everyone in this service, over everyone online and over everyone who will watch this later. Blessed be your glorious name in Jesus' precious name. This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. The Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2-3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthousenge.org for more.